What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning best-selling taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards, both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, Go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome to a Thursday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am now joined. By a guy I've not talked to in a little bit, Connor Casey. Uh, Connor, good evening. How are you, Chase? It's been too long. How are you? I'm good, man. You've uh, you're doing you're still in the writing game full time. Oh yeah. Um, you're popping up at Pop Culture, Comic Book, now Two Four Seven Sports. You're all over the place again. Yeah, yeah. They've uh, they've been moving me around a bit. I'm uh, I'm currently splitting time between Twenty Four Seven Sports and uh, ComicBook.com. Uh, you'll be seeing quite a bit more of me over a comic book here once the Super Bowl wraps up. Uh, but that's a okay. that's a little ways away. Okay. I mean, it's not that far away. We're pretty close to the Super Bowl. Uh, we got a month. In Atlanta. You got a month. I'm seeing a lot here. It's happening in my city, and I'm already seeing all the Atlanta Super Bowl stuff. Oh, yeah. All, uh, all the advertisings and infected the city already. Oh, and it's just, they're preparing. Like, it's going to be, I mean, there's a strong possibility the Saints are going to be here for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And just all the New Orleans fans that are coming into Atlanta. It's just, I might have to take a couple of days away from Atlanta. I, I don't know. It, it's just going to be, it's going to be a thing. If Drew Brees and company uh, are playing in Mercedes Benz um, and they win, like that's uh, the city is going to be an interesting time. I will say, well, they've had me covering the Rams this past month and, uh, Based on everything I've seen from them and the Cowboys and you know obviously Philly, I yeah I think uh, I think New Orleans playing in Atlanta is a very real possibility. Not good. Yeah. Not a good look for your uh, the new Super Bowl, the new uh, dome basically to have uh, its first Super Bowl end with uh, Drew Brees and Sean Payton raising the Lombardi Trophy. But hey, then again, hey now that that's not happening. how do people not like them? How do people not like Sean Payton? Um, just uh, well, getting the Lombardi trophy and then uh, putting, what was it, $225,000 on it mm-hmm. and being like, you want this shit? Oh, that was, <laughs> Go win that was I, I saw that. I was like, he's my new favorite coach. That That's amazing. Legendary. He deserves it. Uh, well, he deserves it, but there's another guy that I think deserves it more. And his name is Patrick Mahomes. Now, I don't know if you've heard of uh, this guy, Chase, okay. but he's got, yes, I have. He's got 5,000 passing yards and 50 touchdowns. Right. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Not, not um, bad at all. Who else has done it? Peyton. Did he do it the Broncos year or was it the Colts year that he did that? Uh, he was, I believe he was with Denver when that happened. 
Yeah, because I think their offense was – so there have been a couple offenses that have finished like in top 10 all-time in offensive DVOA, and I think the Chiefs just finished in that group. Mm-hmm. But I believe the Broncos actually – in that was that twenty thirteen? It would have been thirteen. It would have been thirteen going into fourteen, I believe. Right, and that was when they were just beating the shit out of everybody. I would you like to guess who still has the best offensive DVOA season of all time? Oh, the oh seven oh eight Patriots. That is correct. Boom, the Randy Moss Pats. That's why yeah. they pay me the big bucks, Chase. Exactly. Yeah. Still an insane thing. And looking at the scores and the numbers are just, it's still baffling that we got prime Tom Brady and kind of prime-ish Randy Moss for a full year. And they lost. uh, That team did not win the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Pretty crazy. Um, But you know what? We're going to talk about professional wrestling tonight because that is what we both watch. We both suffer through it. But things are looking up if your company does not start with the letter W, but it actually starts with the letter A. A for awesome, because all elite wrestling is happening. We have a pay-per-view date. We know what it's called. We know where it's going to be. It's going to be in Vegas. We know um, a lot of titles for uh, the company, like chief branding officer, chief brandy officer, depending on uh, how you would like to um, describe Brandy Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Cody Rhodes is in there. You got the Young Bucks. You got the Khan family uh, with the Jaguars who hosted the press conference outside of um, whatever they're calling uh, the Jacksonville Football Stadium nowadays. Because I heard the name and I was like, have they Because I remember it being something else for so long. Because I go to Jacks. I used to go to Jacksonville like every year growing up. And it wasn't called that. I, I don't know what it's called now. But it's called it's the, uh, the, like water. the TIAA Bank uh, Stadium. It, it's yeah yeah i, I know weird, weird name what was it before that it's gonna drive me nuts because it was something else for the first like 20 years that that uh stadium was around but anyway um the cons are running it and tony Khan, shout out to him he follows me on twitter Ooh. one of the 777 that he does yeah just the owner of the jacksonville jaguars follows me on twitter but uh it's cool because they had the funding we now know that them being on tuesday nights on uh tnt is a real thing and they're still going to have to work out the details. Basically we've seen that it's either gonna be like a 90 minute or 120 minute show and it's going to be weekly. And do, do, do we know it's, that it's, do we, do we know all that television information already? Has that been confirmed? It's out there. I mean, yeah, it's, it's out there. I mean, I guess there's still some kinks to be worked out, but that's just too specific for me to not buy that's happening. Um, I just feel like with this kind of planning and with the amount of pull they have with cons and everybody else, Dude, they've got a lot of money. They're able to sign Pac and Jericho and Goldberg and just, I mean, we'll see about Goldberg, but even uh, Tony Khan was uh, talking about that already. I That's probably happening. Uh, we'll see with Omega um, very soon, I would expect, by the end of this month. It's, uh, it's an exciting time because we always have been looking, I think, or maybe I'm just extrapolating from my own uh, feelings of watching the WWE for so long is like we've been longing for a real rival to this company because I think ultimately it brings out the best in the WWE is to have somebody they have to worry about instead of just gobbling up talent and knowing that they can do whatever and it doesn't matter because people are still going to buy their stuff because they are the only game in town like Impact uh, it was never going to happen it just they were in perpetual 1.1 ratings hell um we've gone up and down the list ring of honor had their shot maybe 15 years ago and blew it sinclair obviously hasn't worked out for them like 
you go up and down the list since WCW and I was a WCW kid just being from Atlanta and everything else. Like that's what I grew up with. So I've always looked out for a real challenger and I don't feel like I'm getting ahead of myself and thinking that AEW has a real shot of not dethroning just the monopoly that the WWE has, but in that they get so much main buzz and just they have the money. They have the TV deal potentially on Tuesday nights when after SmackDown moves to uh, Fridays, that's huge for them. Like people will be tuning in for those NBA games on NBA on uh, Tuesday nights and they'll find professional wrestling instead. Like we saw what all in looked like the best pay-per-view of 2018 was all in. And you're like, Oh, this could be awesome. And this could be a real thing that we can get attached to. And we know it's going to be around for a while. We know it's going to have the guys we want to see the women we want to see all that kind of stuff. I am just very optimistic about everything involved here. And it's just nice, man. I'd like this 2018 and WWE was just so bad on a multitude of levels that it just, it feels nice to have something to look forward to this year. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, where do I start? Um, yeah, it, I mean, it's been a, it's been a wild uh, last 10 days. It, it's kind of hard to believe that it, you know, it was only 10 days ago. We learned that all elite wrestling was in fact a reality. Um, you know, I, I've been following, you know, we've been following the news pretty closely. I was watching the, uh, I was watching the, the fan rally along live like everybody else. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of great initial steps in the right direction. You've got, you've got a good, you've got, obviously you've got great financial backing. Um, I've listened to Tony Khan in interviews. He definitely sounds like someone who is not just looking to make, you know, he's not just in this for the money. He's clearly, passionate about the business and it was kind yeah. of, and you know when we think of when we've you know in the past when people thought of hypothetical situations of okay how do you make another wcw how do you make a legitimate you get a billionaire uh, contender <laughs> you need a billionaire but it needs to be somebody who actually cares about the wrestling business and it's like okay where do we find one of those well it was Mark Cuban for years, right? That's who we were looking for. Of like, okay, that would make sense. You could see Mark Cuban being the answer there, but it never happened. Right. But, yeah. well, but, but then you get someone like the Carter family who, you know, clearly, you know, Dixie was interested in it, but it was clear that her parents weren't as much, um, mm-hmm. you know. And she was also just bad for business and didn't understand professional wrestling and treated talent like shit. Well, and, uh, I mean, that's, that other, that's, yeah. That's all here or there, you know. I I wasn't there. I'm pretty sure they're gonna be like Impact Wrestling guys. Like Alex Shelley is gonna still be owed like three hundred thousand dollars from TNA like twenty five years from now. That wouldn't shock me, but I'm sure I'm sure Paul <laughs> Heyman still owes somebody some money from ECW. Anyway, okay, okay, uh, leave Paul Heyman out of uh, this, hey, please. No, because I'd yeah. like to talk about him later. But anyway, um, okay. Yeah, no, it's it, it's exciting, you know, but it's. You know, I, I'm not I'm not trying to throw a wet blanket on it, but it is. You know, it, there are a thousand things that need to happen between now and how the first episode of whatever their show ends up being. You know, we we speculate that it's going to be oh, it's going to be on TNT. We don't know that for sure. They haven't signed anything yet. They're talking to Turner, which would be a great addition. Um, we don't I mean, that's we huge. don't know if. We don't know if it's going to, we don't know, they want it to be a touring brand, but we don't know if it's going to be structured like Ring of Honor, where it's heavily event-based and you have TV TV tapings surrounding it. Mm -hmm. Or if Would you recommend that? You know, honestly, I'm not sure, because I look at the way 
I, I think one of their selling points is going to be, you know, I, I can't imagine the, the road, you know, challenges of, we want you on the road 300 days a year. I don't think they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think no, I don't it either. wouldn't be smart for them to do that. I don't, they don't, they don't have the manpower to do it right now. Right. And I think it would turn, I think it would turn yeah. away a lot of wrestlers that are sitting in WWE right now thinking, you know what? I can go elsewhere. And it was, you know, that was, yeah, I wouldn't tour. That, that, well, I would have a home base or something like that. I would find like, if it's Vegas, if it's somewhere like that, kind of like what the Vegas golden Knights did where they went over there, they had this cult following and they uh, rose to the top. But I understand it's very different, but just kind of building out a fan base in like one particular city, like kind of what Turner did in Atlanta. Like you kind of pick a city and don't tour. You just have like this area where people just know, kind of like NXT at full sale, that kind of deal. That's what I would do. Start there and then do pay-per-views, like the all-in pay-per-views in different cities. That's what I would do. So do like one out-of-area event a month or every other month or something like that. That's certainly possible. But then you have companies like you know Japan who is entirely event-based. They don't have a weekly, you know, there's no Monday Night Raw equivalent. For mm-hmm. New Japan, it's you've got the 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 events themselves, and then a few sh- live shows that build up to it. The the road to the Wrestle Kingdoms, the road to the New right. Beginning kind of shows. Now that that's it, and that makes me you know I'm I've honestly been curious as to can a company survive off something like that. Um, I don't think I don't. Well, I mean, they're they're expanding a little bit, right? Like they're trying to get into the U.S. and it's not great timing because they're losing a lot of talent and they might be losing some more uh, very soon. But I I, I, I think honestly, I think that all comes down to, and this is this is one of the things that I have been the most curious about when it comes to AEW, is how exclusive are these contracts with with the, with the talent that they are bringing in. Because if they say, if they take the policy that, you know, we are going to have all of our guys on exclusive deals, well, then that stops a lot of guys that are sharing time between the likes of Lucha Underground, Impact Wrestling, MLW, New Japan, Ring of Honor, AAA, CMLL. If they're trying to bring these guys in. And they well, it depends say, on the well, money, we... right? Like that's what it ma- that's what matters here. Like they'll sign that exclusive contract if they're getting paid enough to make it worthwhile. Yeah, yes and no, but you have you have to think about it as, you know, you know, take Kenny take Kenny Omega for example. Yeah, if they get Kenny, that's an exclusive deal. They're not allowing him to appear on New Japan after he signs with AEW. There's no way. You know, it's it's hard to tell. Honestly, I I think what, because I, first of all, we've all just written off that he's gone from New Japan. He did this exact. It seems like it's either that or it's WWE. He did this exact same, but the thing is he did this exact same spiel two years ago. Mm. And he came back, you know, weeks after he said. his friends are gone. Exactly. But he's, but you know, Koda is still in New Japan. A lot of his, you know, a lot of his connections are still in Japan. This guy. Well, Kota may not be there much longer because he's had a bunch of concussions in the last couple of months. So he uh, he may be on the shelf for a little bit. Possibly. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm just I'm just talking out here. What basically yes. is no? This, we're figuring this out, this, man. This we're guy we're is, talking this through. I mean, this guy is so impassionate. I mean, you listen to I mean, you listen to this guy talk about just how much focus and time and energy he's put into trying to become the biggest star he can in Japan. 
Yeah. For him to but suddenly, he for him to now, suddenly right? pack up and just say, you know what, I'm going to go with all these other guys. You know, it's a nice idea, and I think it's entirely possible. But I think another possibility is for him to go. You know what? You were a- you were able to split my time between New Japan and Ring of Honor over the last couple of years. We can do it this way too. And if New well, J- here's the difference, I think with those two is that like so in Ring of Honor, we know about their ownership group, we know about the Sinclair Broadcasting shit and everything else. And then you look at New Japan, their new ownership group, like that's been one of those reported things, right? That wrestlers in New Japan have not been happy with new management. And that's something you have to factor in. Does Kenny want to work with um, the new front front office executives? Her- Harold Mange so, is, the, is the guy. Yeah. yeah, Not a popular figure. It seems in like some circles, yes. And there are some rumors that maybe him and Kazuchika Okada don't get along. We don't have anything to because prove. I want Okada is, we don't have so bad. He's that. my favorite wrestler. He's awesome, yeah. but we don't have anything to prove that he legitimately yeah. d- and doesn't get along with Mage. We don't know. Yeah. Would you rather? Who would you think? Just curious. Who would you expect to have more success in WWE if they made the jump, Okada or Omega? Omega, only because WWE struggles with uh, with using international talent that has limited English speaking nice. ability. <laughs> You know? That's being very nice, very generous. I mean, to it's... describe it like that because we can just say they've been bad at it because they they have. They're, they're not. I mean, it's not like it's impossible. You know, when they first brought Nakamura in, you know, they had. I mean, he. I mean, remember where he was when he first showed up in NXT. But see, those are. I don't like that comparison because NXT is just like one of those different incubator worlds that like. None of it matters. Like just all of it. Like it, it, those. That's Triple H's thing. It, like, but it's starting to matter is, more. It's starting to matter more and more. I think. I don't think so. As long as Vince is still doing his own thing on the main roster, NXT will never matter. The only time NXT will matter, it's. I've made this comparison before, but like it's kind of like getting developed like by a GM. Like I don't know. Let's who's who would you say is like the like Danny Ainge is running NXT. And then let's say you're developing in the Boston Celtics system. You're figuring things out. Brad Stevens is showing you the way you're working with all this talent. And then you're ready to get called up to the big time. And the guy in charge of your career after that and is Phil is uh, Isaiah Thomas. And then you're like, oh, oh no. Or Vladi Divac. Like, that's what the main roster is. It's just a different thing. So it doesn't matter because you know that once you get called up to the big time, none of the work that you put in on NXT matters. Like, the needle isn't moving at all for any of these call-ups. doesn't matter. So it's just, it's cool. I love takeovers. I love Adam Cole. I love Gargano. I love Black. I love Ciampa. Everything. It just doesn't matter because Samoa Joe, you look at what happened with him. You looked at, you just go up and down all the call-ups. It just, it doesn't matter because it's not the same people writing for him. It's not the same anything. It's just, there's no continuity. And because there is no continuity, what happens on NXT does not matter on the main roster. It just, like, it would not surprise me if some of the call-ups are just totally different characters. Like, it's just, I love NXT in a vacuum. 
but to see that it matters in the long run or that it's good for any of these guys to be there or that it's they're developing nicely and that this could work because I just I'm I'm not there. Until Vince McMahon is not in creative control of the main roster, I just think it it's a waste of time for a lot of these, especially older guys who are coming in where they don't have much time of their prime left because <laughs> if you look at the age of the last uh, couple of NXT champions, uh pretty old. And uh, I'd rather just see them on the main roster sink or swim because ultimately that's all that kind of matters because NXT on a weekly, as a weekly show is just very irrelevant just with how um, much of a hodgepodge it is where it's like, oh, this week you get Mia Kim and um, Lacey Evans or something. And then you'll have one week where it's like, oh, Kona Reeves is back or another week where you'll have like a month of like no Velveteen Dream. And it's just, it doesn't, I'm just... I'm very frustrated and none of it matters. But then you watch NXT TakeOver and you're like, oh, this is the best thing in professional wrestling. So there's a there's a lot of things there. Okay, then. Um, to answer the Sorry, I'm very passionate about this because I, it frustrates me. I, I get it, man. I get it. It frustrates me, the pipeline. I understand. Um, you know, it's to answer your question, Omega, to answer the original question, Omega. Um, but I don't, honestly, I don't think, you know, Whatever happens, I don't think Omega is in WWE by the end of the year. I don't either. I think, you know, what, he's in what the reports wrestling. are that he did get offered a deal, and it was for a lot of money, and he, said, and he hasn't signed it. I think what he, what he, he has two choices. He either, you know, he either signs with AEW, or he stays in New Japan, and New Japan agrees to work with AEW and have a talent share system similar to what they have with Ring of Honor. Because that's what AEW wants, and that's what AEW has been trying to pursue, you know, for months prior to them even announcing officially that the company was set up. They're still trying that negotiation right now with Ring of Honor. We don't know if that's going to work. We're all, I mean, we're all, and if they don't go there, then they're going to look elsewhere. They're going to look to Impact. They're going to look to AAA. They've already got a deal set up with OEW in China. They're going to look at Dragon Gate. They're going to look at all these other companies and go, we want to bring you guys in, but we understand that, you know, you take someone like the Bucks, they didn't make their name in just one company. Right. They were making their name in five or six because they recognize mm-hmm. that, hey, the more we travel and the different places we go to and the more we get our face out there, the more beneficial it is for us and our brand. Right. And I think they're looking at a lot of guys that are on the come up right now and they're going, you know what? This is good for them. We can't suddenly go, you know what? We're cutting you off here. You're just on AEW shows. I think they recognize that that's a bad idea. I think it just depends. I think it should be a case-by-case basis. I'm sure on I'm sure it will Depending be, on it, who it is. I'm sure, yeah. you know. But it's, you know, it's... It... Like, if you want Phoenix and Pentagon, you need to allow them to do multiple things. Oh, well... And I think they need it's, guys I mean, like that. everybody and their mother wants Phoenix and Pentagon right now. And they're kind. And honestly, yeah. they're kind of tied up at the moment. They've got MLW, and right. they've got. Because they have like MLW or whatever. Yeah, isn't exactly. that their contract? That's yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, not, it's it's never that it, simple. It's complicated, but at the same time, it doesn't have to be that complicated. People just have. to... I will say with Omega, is if he like with that offer, if it is on the table. The only way, if I'm a Kenny Omega, I'm signing with the company is I'm bypassing NXT. Like, it's way too crowded already down there. 
and I think it'd be a gigantic waste of time for him. Oh, they they spend too much money on him for him to go to NXT. He'd be up on the main right. roster. He he'd be getting the AJ Styles treatment where he's on. You know, that's what I was thinking. He's on like, Raw. That's what I would demand. Week. Like he debuts at the Rumble. And well, he can't. Well, I think but, he, but I'll, I'll stop you right there. He physically can't this year. His contract oh. doesn't end until January thirty first. Oh, it's the thirty. I keep for because you remember when we were growing up, the Royal Rumble was in February, and we had New Year's Revolution in January. Oh yeah. I still kind of forget that the Royal Rumble is a January pay per view a lot. Um, sure. Yeah. But, By the way, go look up and if you see any online booking sites that that have a betting line for Omega and the Rumble, go put a ton of money on that he's not going to show up because he can't. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if the betting line is as to where he signs. That'd be fascinating. Um, but I would be like, if I'm Omega, and this would save Raw for the next six months, is he's the guy you pick to beat Brock at WrestleMania. Like, this is very, um, hashtag, very smarky <laughs> um, booking to just be like, yeah, let's just do Omega versus Brock. But if you it want to can't. change the trajectory of Raw and you want to give fans a reason to get invested again, is you have to shake things up. Like, that Braun Brock stuff this week was atrocious. And nobody, Braun is done. You move on. That's over. And I don't know if it's over. Person, it's He's handicapped right now by that arm injury. He physically couldn't get... He's handicapped by losing every big match he's been in the last two years. He's lost every feud. He lost the briefcase. And by the way, I won my bet by the I don't remember who I started this with, but I made a bet in 2017 that there was zero chance that Braun Strowman would be a world champion over the next year. 2018 went through. People were like, oh, we got money in the bank. They're going to pull the trigger. Absolutely not. That was never going to happen. I never bought it. Like the, oh, he might be the one they pick over Roman Reigns. Get out of here with that nonsense. And then they reverted back to Brock because he's the safe choice. And Brock is also more valuable than Braun Strowman. But anyway, um... No, I, I the Braun stuff is just awful. And I have you, what was your favorite Braun Strowman match of 2018? Do you have one? Mm, probably the cage match with Kevin Owens. Okay, yeah, that was that was mostly Kevin Owens just or the money in the, being the money in the awesome. bank match was fun. It's fine. Mm. But those are all like gimmicky. Like he just do, does anyone really want to watch Braun Strowman close pay per views and like those kind of matches that he had with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns? Man. I, I think you, I think you forget, but he was nuclear hot there for a minute. He was, and but I, they blew it. And like, I think it was over. There was, like, a, they there was a real possibility had they not gone with Brock at uh, Crown Jewel, there was a real possibility you could have had a white hot feud where Braun Strowman is the babyface champion and Drew McIntyre is the heel bastard trying to get it away from him. I love Drew, but Drew got screwed by. Um, I gotta say this in a very tasteful way. Um, he got screwed by Roman getting sick because that was the money feud for WWE for the next six months. It was the big heel and Drew McIntyre versus the big baby face and Roman Reigns. So, like it'd be a bloodbath. They would have their own Braun Strowman type. Like these two warriors are going at it um, for the next couple months. And he, you could have seen Drew McIntyre beat Roman Reigns for oh, the belt for sure. Uh, and I, but, I think it hurt. I think it was bad for him in the short term. But I mean, you've seen. You know, since Roman's left, the amount of television time Drew got. I mean, hell, we almost. I mean, well, we they got have it, to. We they got have a, no other options. <laughs> we got. I mean, we were inches away from a Drew McIntyre John Cena match on Monday. Like they think the world yeah. of this guy right now. For sure, and they should. So Drew I, McIntyre know, is I, oh, actually good. Yeah, because I, I don't. You know, 
that's a guy that, you know, if I had to put money on somebody being a world champion by the end of this year, it's him. Yeah, I uh, I could see it. If I had to pick between him, Balor, Rollins, Ambrose, Brock. I guess Brock's already... Well, Brock's already already champion, so you win. I'm just... Yeah. Well, no, I was just thinking if he would win again, because I don't know if he's going to resign um, or if he just stays champ for the rest of the year. Um, I don't know. I guess I'd probably pick. No, I'm still going to go with my gut. I think it's still Rollins. I'm still going to say Rollins. Right. They, they're, they're, they already, the they're already starting to tease the Mania match with him and Brock. Like yeah. God, no one's going to care about that at all. Uh, it's going to be really hard. That Ambrose stuff has ruined a lot of what Rollins was building up. And I, I like Rollins. He's had a lot of great matches. He had a lot of, he's had a lot of stinkers, but I think people, lot, I think people will forget ones. the Ambrose stuff. The moment you get him away from it. Yeah, they need to do that. And it looks like it's finally over based on how raw ended and everything. But, um, I want to ask you if you had, and Oh, let me finish up the Omega thing. So Omega, I think that's the thing is he should require, I'm the one who beats Brock. At that's an, that's the that case, is an impossible sign. request. Then I'm not signing it because well, that's would, the only way I'm doing it. I wouldn't it, if sign I'm it regardless, yeah. but that's just me. Yeah. yeah I, I, think, I think there's too much can potential elsewhere, and I think you can make too much money elsewhere. Yeah, I don't really care about the money stuff because it's not my money. I don't. People should do whatever they want. I just think of like what would be the best for his career at this point, and the only thing that would make sense for WWE is if he was treated as the top guy on Raw. And if he's not going to be treated as the top babyface, then don't go. And honestly, trying to, I would love to see Kenny Omega in a room explaining his gimmick to Vince McMahon. Yeah, that just was... like Triple H trying to explain why Kenny Omega is such a big deal. Well, he didn't get it with AJ until he did. You know, it was just one of right. those things. But AJ's easier for Vince. I could see those two really enjoying each other's company. Oh, I'm sure. I don't see Vince McMahon understanding or getting along with Kenny Omega. Just from what I know. Probably not. But anyway, yeah. you had another, um, you had so another question. Sign with AEW, but yes. Uh, best, we've seen a couple talent signing. Give me your best talent signing by AEW so far and the least inspiring. Least inspired. Um, the best, I would say. You know, I love Jericho. I love what he's been able to do these pat these last few years. Especially, he's he seems to reinvent himself every time he shows up on New Japan. He's stolen the show the last two Wrestle Kingdoms. Um, but I'm gonna go elsewhere. Did you like his Wrestle Kingdom match this year? I loved it, man. Okay. I, I mean, both both that match and his match with Omega last year, you know, they just they felt like nothing else on either card. You know, they they felt like they felt like bar fights. They felt like brawls. You know, and they were just there was something visceral to them. Um, I I legit thought he knocked Naito out with that DDT on the table. That, it was not good. That, that it thing bad. I jumped out of my seat when I saw that. I was like, oh my god, he's I loved it. Um, I just don't get Naito. I'm not a Naito guy. Never been a Naito guy. Got, I don't you gotta follow. You got to follow his journey, man. You got you got to you got to see where he's come from, and then get to where he is now. And you go, oh, he's like if Roman Reigns actually turned and became a, a Yakuza member. That's the idea, right? Because he was the guy. He was the chosen one for a long time, and he got rejected by the fans. And um, 
just kind of turned heel. And they, they, they yeah, I, that's a good point. He is kind of like Roman Reigns if they had decided to just embrace his heelness. Exactly. And the fact that fans just didn't choose him. And then make him um, someone who, re, re, you know, resents the fans of the company. But anyway, to answer your question, right. it's not Jericho, even though I love the guy. It's Pac. It's Neville. Okay. Whatever, whatever yeah, I mean, name like you want it. to call him, it's Pac. Because I think he is somebody that is, is immediately adds legitimacy to your main event picture. Because the first fear that, that when this company was announced, one of the first fears that popped up in a lot of people's minds is, okay, you've got Cody and the Bucks and all the guys in the elite. And it was great for one show, but are you just going to push each other? every show or are you going to be able to push other people? And here's a guy that I think you could absolutely do that with. Yeah. I think he's already going to be hot shotted to the top of the card. I mean, you saw that we're going to get hangman versus Pac at some point, right? Like yeah. That's probably what happens in Vegas. That's probably, um, that's probably how we crown uh, in some way we crown our first champion. It's going to involve those. How two. many titles do you think they're going to start off with? Three? Or do you think it's just going to be two? I think it was just... I, I, well, I don't know how Depends big their women's division is going to be. So for now, mm-hmm. I'll just say two, but I'm sure it's going to be three. You get a, a men's, a women's, and a tag. Yeah. I wonder if, they, what, if they're going to have like a junior heavyweight belt. Depending on if they get Marty Skrull. I doubt they do the Japan style where they divide it up into heavyweights and juniors because you've got a lot of high flyers on that roster and a lot of you know and even guys like page are doing you know shooting star presses off the apron he's so good oh, he's he, kind of like drew mcintyre and you watch him where it's like he doesn't look athletic or like he should be able to do some of the aerial stuff that he's able to pull off but he is and it's always just jaw-dropping that this guy is that athletic to pull off some of the shit that he pulls off absolutely but yeah, it, uh, give me your number one wish list guy then. Because Pac, for me, by the way, I'll say for everybody we've seen thus far, my answer is Goldberg. Okay. Okay. I, I just think it's like, holy shit. Like, because you know how much it costs Goldberg to return to WWE, right? Like, oh, yeah. get that push, get the universe. So for him to kind of to go, I mean, obviously he has the roots in like the alternative to WWE with WCW and everything. But like, that tells me that they're going to think outside the box because my big issue was like, they cannot be too niche where it's like, we're only going to sign the guys from being the elite and we're going to have our own little indie love fest mm-hmm. and certain guys that it's just going to turn off a large sector of the American audience, right? Like you have to have some notable big names that are going to kind of be a nice contrast to the young bucks. Oh, and, and Hangman you and have Pac to have diversity. Like you, need, you need a balance. It, it, ha- it right. can't just all be, you know, Six foot, six foot one, two hundred and twenty pounds. Like yeah. you need, you need you can't big have 23 men. Twenty three Marty Skrulls and um, uh, Will Ospreys. Right, you just can't it, do that. You know, you you need you need some big men out there. Um, and you know, Goldberg's a good good attraction. Um, to answer to answer as to who my dream uh, pick is, it is not a wrestler. It's Paul Heyman. Oh, I like this. See, here's the thing. We don't really know what the creative picture of AEW is going to be. Mm-hmm. We can assume that Cody and the Bucks are going to have some say 
And we can assume that some of the wrestlers are going to have some say in their own storylines. Yeah, no one's talked about this yet. Still, it seems like it's undecided. But you need somebody with direction. You need somebody right. who has respect, the boys respect. You need someone with a creative mind, someone who has their fingers on the pulse of the wrestling community. You need somebody who is renowned for being able to take whatever resources they have and make the absolute best out of it. You need somebody who is not a wrestler themselves so that they're not just going to put themselves over. Mm -hmm. And Paul Heyman fits the bill in all those categories. And on top of all of that, you need somebody else in the room who isn't in the elite. You need someone with a different opinion. You need someone who... You need someone who can call CM Punk and convince him to come out of retirement. Oh, I think think they could do that without him, but that's not the point. You need somebody who recognize, you know, this is a guy who in ECW and especially on SmackDown was able to see the, the strengths of a wrestler and use that and, you know, have that be the focal point to hide their weaknesses. They didn't have, you know, if Paul Heyman's running a show, he's not having Brock Lesnar go out there and cut a five minute promo. He's cutting it for right. him. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that recognizes, hey, you don't fit people into the box that you want them to fit into. You know, we can't be the carbon copy that you imagine. Each mm-hmm. person has to play to their own strengths. And he recognizes that. Yeah. Who do you think is the uh, big, the? Uh, did you see the report of like, there's one main eventer and a lot of mid-carters that have already reached out to AEW about making making the jump who which main eventer would you guess they're talking about there oh, I, I i could i mean i wouldn't i really can't i mean i, I honestly don't know because honestly i think anybody could you know be a potential name and go you know what well, we I'm know it's not kevin owens it. well yeah we know it's not he Kev. signed the five-year deal you know we know yeah. it's not cena you know the the company men are not going anywhere randy yeah, orton's not, not going anywhere yeah. You know, AJ Styles looking for big money. He's, I mean, sorry guys, I don't think he's, he's probably not anywhere. going. Yeah. He's, he wants big money mm-hmm. and he likes WWE. He wants more money and fewer dates. He's, yep. He has a family. He's, he's comfortable. He's treated as a top guy. And like, he's 41. He's, I he's think. comfortable. I mean, right. dude, dude's getting yeah, up there. I don't think there. it's AJ. He's, he's ready to start slowing down. He can, this is, we cannot have, you know, 36 year old New Japan AJ. I'm sorry. It's yeah. not, it's not happening. Um, I think a lot of those mid carters are going to look at it. I think a lot. I think of, it's Samoa Joe. By the way, you you want to be Samoa? I think it's Samoa. I, uh, I want it to be, and that's po- what I would it's guess. entirely possible. I think. Um, I think Nakamura either stays there or he goes back to Japan. I don't. Right. I don't see him just going to another North American company. Yeah, I don't either. I, I see a lot of the that's guys. That's why I just feel well. like the only one who makes a lot of sense to me is Samoa Joe. Yeah. Which would be great. Like I would love Samoa Joe in another company because he is still so good on the mic and he missed his moment. Like he had the big feud with Roman, that terrible main event uh, last year, and then he lost that, and then he lost his feud with AJ, and it was one of the best feuds of the year. He's already reached the top of the mountain that he can get to in this company, 
uh, move on. They blew it with him. Move on. These guys need to move on more often. It, like it, you, it's just not happening. With, with him, I, I won't argue. I, th- I think you're right, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know what his contract situation yeah. is. Um, I think a lot yeah. of the guys in 205, take a look at them. I, the, the name that right. jumped out to me was Kenta. They, yeah. they just, I mean, Triple H clearly loved the guy. And they have him on yeah. 205 as kind of the, the, the veteran, you know, force. Mm-hmm. But I think he's probably thinking, you know, I could be doing a lot more than what I'm doing right now. Right. Even though that, we, even though we've been able to turn this roster over into something that's a highlight every week, you know, I could be, you know, you're telling me I could be locking up with guys like Omega and Pac? Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. Give me your last thing, then we'll go. Give me your biggest surprise AEW roster member. Over the next six months, who would you guess? Um, I would go with. God, I don't really have a surprise. Like, it'd be easy to just say Okada shows up, but that would just be oh, so they got to deal with New Japan. Um, yeah. But personally, I don't think they go for WWE talent to just try and rate it. If there's one company that I think they do do that with, it's Impact. Yeah, because for as much crap as we give Impact, and for as little attention as they get, if you actually look at their roster, it's kind of amazing who they've got. Yeah, it's not bad. Because I, I look at guys like Brian Cage, like Eddie Edwards, mm-hmm. Eli Drake, Ethan Page, um, the the new version Eddie of Edwards. LAX, Moose, Moose. I love Moose. I love I love the chant. Um, you could build an entire women's division division around Tessa Blanchard. She could be their version of Charlotte Rosemary. Claire. Yeah, Rosemary, Taya Valkyrie, um, Jordan Grace, Allie. Like they can keep Johnny Impact. I think I I don't think Johnny's a bad pickup though. He's okay, I guess. I just nobody cares. He is not a needle mover. Like I am. Um, I was a big Jim, uh, John Morrison guy back in the day. I was too. I don't know. He just doesn't do it for me. There's just something missing. He just is a mid-card guy to me. He just doesn't work as a top guy. I think the act for whatever was a, reason. I, I think the act was improved a lot by his time in New in uh, not New Japan, Lucha Underground. Um, I think Taya adds something to it. And you know, if nothing else, he'd be a great upper mid-card hand. You know, yeah. Somebody that oh, I love Eli Drake there. I'm a big Eli Drake guy still. Love his promo work. I'll never get tired of it. I think just because those guys will always stand out in 2019, just because there are not many great talkers in professional wrestling anymore, and he's one of them. Oh, and if you want to talk, like, because they're going to need heels, and they're a little short on yeah. heels. You want to talk heels? Sammy Callahan. That guy's that guy's <sighs> insane. Sammy guy. That guy's insane, and it's you know, he's so hateable when he is just at his most yeah. despicable. You know, and I think he could bring. I think, bring, I think he could bring that over. CM Punk in a year. I really do. Well, the, the fact that they were there was communication with them for All In is interesting. There were there were there and, were talks, but there wasn't a deal. He uh, Punk has. But the th- fact that he didn't hang up on them and that he didn't just be like, "Get the fuck out of here." I the th- fact that there were talks because to him the the resentment around rest you know around wrestling isn't directed at pro wrestling itself. It's yes. at the WWE and everything that happened there. And if he were to go back to wrestling in any capacity, it's someplace that can afford him, 
and isn't run by the McMahon family. Right. Guys he can trust and guys he can do work his own schedule, that kind of stuff. Yeah, Yeah. AEW fits both those things. The thing that you have to do is you actually have to call him and say, here is a legitimate offer. Here's how many dates. Here's a money amount. Give it, you know, here's a deadline. Give us an answer. You know, take some time to mold Would you like to be the biggest story in professional wrestling in 2019? Call us. No, I mean, but that's the it, that's the thing is it has to be a real deal because other you know if he says no, then the story is dead. Then 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 yeah. we are officially moved on from all things CM Punk. He's not coming back. Right. Santa Claus isn't real. Neither's the Easter Bunny, and CM Punk is never wrestling again. God, can you imagine being in an all-in show for CM Punk's return? I Just thought how I thought they were going to do it in Chicago. I mean. You remember he, I mean, he had that autograph signing like the day before. Right. I don't think that I – mean, he was backstage at their, uh, at their press conference for the first All-In. Was he really? He was, I didn't even know that. He was. It was – they claim it was a coincidence. He was just there to pick up some shirts because it was at the Pro Wrestling Tees store. Mm-hmm. Um, but he legitimately was backstage. Right. And I'm just like, that's, that's crazy. Um <laughs> And, you know, I mean, and the Bucks talk about, yeah, they talk to him. They're friends, um, as anyone right. with CM Punk and friends can be. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, I'm not holding my breath, but it's a curiosity. Yeah, well, let's hope so. Um, Connor, we have to run, but this was great. I appreciate uh, you making the time tonight. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, anything you need to plug before we get out of here real quick? Uh, follow me on Twitter at ConnorCasey underscore PC. Check out all my work at 24-7 Sports. And, of course, comicbook.com. We're going to have a lot more uh, expanded wrestling coverage here over the next few months leading up to WrestleMania. So keep it locked in for that. Perfect. All right, Connor, always a pleasure. Let's talk soon, man. All right, we are. Awesome. All right, we're back on the Chase Thomas Podcast, and I am now joined by Grant Goldberg. Grant, good evening. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on, man. Um, The Lakers are always a fun team to talk about, especially when LeBron James is not on the roster anymore, and uh, there's always stuff with Luke Walton and Magic Johnson and uh, how people feel about Ron, uh, just Lonzo Ball and Rajon Rondo coming back into the fold. There's just Josh Hart takes. Like, it's... uh, it's good to care about the Lakers again. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a little bit of a weird season. Um, one, for the most part, being able to see winning basketball consistently, uh, that's a welcome change. Uh, but two, uh, just the injuries has called for some weird lineups, a lot of extended minutes from young guys. So uh, there's been up and downs for sure, but it's been a really fun season to keep track of. How has life been without LeBron? I don't want to talk talk about it. You don't want to talk no, about I'm it. I'm kidding. No. Um, now he. I mean, he's obviously such a big part of the team. Uh, giving him that, you know, massive, you know, 153 million dollar contract. Uh, it you know required them to you know sign some veteran players on some you know cheap deals, and so you're not able to fill out the roster like you would 
with uh, like they did with Brooke Lopez and they had Julius Randle last year. So uh, when he's out, you know, it calls for, like I said, some experimentation. But, you know, they struggled a lot after he went out with that groin injury. Of course, they finished the game against the Warriors when it looked like, you know, the avalanche was coming. The Warriors were making their run. Uh, they withstood it. They they beat them. And, and then so people were talking about it like, okay, well, this Lakers team seems, you know, pretty well equipped to actually win some games without LeBron. And that wasn't the case yet. They instantly started struggling. Um, I mean, obviously, LeBron's the guy that they look to for everything, really. And so, you know, it took them some time. But I think we've seen the last couple of games, uh, we've gotten efforts from, you know, Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball uh, in one game, and then Kyle Kuzma shoulders the load in another. So we're seeing these performances where certain guys start to step up night in and night out. And that's what you need when, when you have a guy like LeBron sitting out. Uh, and it's, you know, going to be... It's going to be good for the Lakers when LeBron comes back. So you have unless you're Brandon Ingram, huh? Unless you're Brandon Ingram, yeah. Unless you're Brandon Ingram, and then uh, your role kind of gets reduced again. But uh, it's going to be good for the Lakers definitely when he comes back because you have that much stronger of a supporting cast. And so you know you hope that Brandon Ingram's fit gets better with LeBron. Um, and and that'll be the case. Um, I I think. I mean, there's there's not much room to get worse. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think with more time that they spend on the floor together, it will get better. They've both said that. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, they can say that, and, and right. what happens? I have to say that right now. Yeah, exactly. But uh, you know, you have LeBron's injury, you have Ingram with his suspension earlier in the season, so I don't think they've really gotten the chance to gel on court. Not enough minutes. That much, but. Uh, I mean, it was a little bit of a clanky fit on paper when he first signed, and we've seen that earlier in the season. And so, yeah, there's nowhere to go from here but up for Ingram and LeBron fitting together on the court. It's just weird because ultimately my biggest question mark with this Lakers group with LeBron is, so I know everything is about shooting ultimately. And I just, I've never seen a scenario where, LeBron, Brandon Ingram, and Lonzo Ball can all be on the floor together in crunch time in important playoff games. That it's just, it seems like it's not enough shooting. Like, Kuzma is just a clean fit next to LeBron, and we all should have seen that coming with just him becoming what Kevin Love was reduced to in Cleveland and just being a good, capable version of that at a much younger age and just really embracing that because that feels like you're maximizing what Kyle Kuzma could be with LeBron. Like, LeBron's the best thing to ever happen to Kyle Kuzma. Um, I'm not sure the same can be said about Kevin Love, but he still won some titles, so that's uh, that a title, so that's fine. But um, I don't know. I just I think ultimately more minutes will help, but I'm not sure LeBron, Ingram, and Lonzo will ever be just the right mixture of talent. And then um, I don't know. And if obviously LeBron's there long term, and I I still like Lonzo a lot. I think Ingram might still have the more upside but i he's their best trade chip and ultimately if you're betting on them getting Kawhi or durant or whoever next summer that's fine but what what if they don't and then what what if they strike out on everybody next summer then you're kind of looking at like are we going to run this back i mean i guess we'll have to see what happens in the playoffs this year but um it doesn't seem likely that with lebron at his age even though he did sign the multi-year contract he's going to sign on for this and I I don't know. I, I think it's fascinating. Like I if I had to bet 
if I had to gamble on this, I don't think LeBron keeps those three around for the next year and a half. It just seems unlikely that he's okay not trading for at least one veteran, even if he understands that they're going to go after veterans in free agency and with Magic and Plinka, they're in a better spot. Because guess what? Magic and Plinka got LeBron James. That matters. Like <laughs> Mitch Kupchak and uh, the the other bus did not yeah. get LeBron James. And I don't think they would have gotten LeBron James. It's a different ownership group, a different group of uh minds and just it, it, it's just different but at the same time like lebron can say all the right things about these young guys but i think eventually he'll get annoyed because i mean there's just a huge age gap there and i think lebron's a very bright basketball player and he just he's gonna look at it and go i can't i, I can't beat the warriors or the rockets or whoever with Lonzo Ingram and like Josh Hart like it's not enough like eventually we'll have to do something even if I do get one more star whether it's Jimmy Butler who whoever it is it, I guess Anthony Davis the elephant in the room that we haven't even talked about but um I just threw a lot at you what do you make of it well I, I tend to agree with a lot of it uh we'll start with the first point in the playoffs I mean having those three on the floor together I, at least in Playoff basketball, where the game slows down a lot and every possession matters, uh, defense is going to be you know a huge thing for them, and especially if they match up with a team like the Rockets or the team like the Warriors, where you know you need kind of your anchors defensively or you know as much length defensively as you can. So you know we've seen Ingram you know produce defensively uh, at some points in the season. Um, Lonzo has been really great defensively throughout his whole career with the Lakers, and so. In that scenario, yeah, you can play them together and you'll at least have moderate success. But yeah, o- offensively, that's what worries me. Um, you kind of got to hope and pray that Lonzo Ball, um, he's he's been a really streaky shooter throughout this season. Uh, he's either been really, really good or just absolutely terrible. Uh, it's been kind of like uh, five or, or ten game splits that you know it's either one of those two things. It's at the opposite ends of the spectrum. And so you kind of got to hope and pray that the that you get the good Lonzo when it comes from behind the arc because you're not going to get that production at the free throw line where definitely free throws matter in the playoffs. Uh, you're not going to get that from any of those three guys. And so you know that's kind of what worries me too. Um, but in the playoffs, I think is is the most important when you're looking at whether the Lakers are going to be able to sign these you know marquee free agents or uh, you know sign a sign a Kawhi Leonard playoff success i think to have a shot at one of those guys i don't think having lebron is enough i don't think being in la is enough you got to have some sort of playoff success i think they at least need to win one series and that's going to be tough it's asking for a lot it's a new group of guys coming together i think they make the playoffs i don't think that's really going to be a question it might get a little hairy at times but you know i think you know when you have lebron and and these guys have shown that they can win at least some games uh on their own without him yeah, I think I think playoffs won't be a question, but whether they can win a series and and uh, be able to tell these kind of you know star players, hey, you know we've had the success, uh, we've had this playoff success, but you're the guy that we need to really take this thing to where we want to go. That's really the question. So uh, I I don't know. I I kind of agree that that Ingram's their best trade chip as well, and. I'm looking at Anthony Davis and I'm and I'm looking at these young guys and I'm saying Anthony Davis is still just 25 and you know he can really you know take this team him and LeBron would be you know incredible together but um I it's getting to the point to to 
to where I'm asking myself, you know, yeah, I like these young guys, but is this the time to make that trade? Because I've never had that internal discussion until this season. Uh, the the track has been accelerated when it comes to the learning curve. It's accelerated, and and the young guys, you know, really need to prove that they they can hang with LeBron. They can help win games. Uh, if not, then you know, not even just for Anthony Davis. I don't know if they'll be shipped out for anybody else. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing with the young guys and Anthony Davis is that um, if they acquire Anthony Davis, then there's no use for Kuzma anymore because I don't think you can have Kuzma, LeBron, and Anthony Davis on the court in crunch time, right? Like those, the, there's just no way to have those three. And then you have another weird lineup construction issue. So I, uh, and I just feel like Kuzma's the best fit of those three with LeBron. It's just, there's so many different moving parts. You could see it going a bunch of different ways, but um, it does seem like the, it, like if I had to bet on which of those big three, the young guys are that are around on this team within the next three years, it's Lonzo. I, I it, it seems kind of odd that it would be Lonzo, but I, that's who I'm most confident in um, with this group uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I think I also agree with that because Lonzo I think more so than Ingram and, and Kuzma is more of a complimentary star player. Yep. He's the guy that can set the table for everybody. He doesn't need the ball in his hands a whole lot. Uh, defensively, you can play him against any lineup. Um, and you know LeBron loves him. And so, yeah, like I, I think for those... Line. Oh, yeah. I mean, because they play so similarly. Right. Uh, obviously, I mean, Lonzo isn't you know, 280 pounds and, and six foot eight, but you know, he's near six, seven and he has great length at the guard position. Um, really he incredible. He'll be a good defender. He gets lost at some times. Yeah. But, like you can see it like there's just if you had to bet on Lonzo. I mean, a good his, defender. His, who's, yeah. Yeah. He gets steals. He tries. He rebounds. He just you know it's coming with him and like LeBron I'm sure sees that with him and probably as he gets older with this group wants to pass over that playmaking stuff to a guy like Lonzo. Yeah and I think that's what the the Lakers and their front office really tried to do this season uh, in signing so many playmakers and, and Lance oh I I wouldn't call Lance a, a playmaker he just popped in my head because it, it was a weird signing but you sign Rondo you sign uh, Stevenson you sign uh you sign KCP, who's not really a playmaker, but uh, he's actually one of the only shooters on the team. But you have these guys who can take the ball out of LeBron's hands, so you don't, he doesn't need the ball all that much. But obviously, when you have LeBron James, uh, everything runs through him, so he's going to you know, touch the basketball a lot. He's going to get a crazy amount of touches. But I think they're starting to, to realize, okay, uh, you don't want to put as much wear and tear on LeBron at this stage of his career. And we've already seen it with this groin injury that, uh, you know, you don't want to take away any time that you have with LeBron on your team. And so I think they've kind of geared up for the eventual future where he's probably not going to be the primary creator on your team. Are you at all surprised at how much of a difference Tyson Chandler at his age was for this defense um, coming over from Phoenix? Um. Yes, and the no. numbers are staggering. Like the difference between this Lakers defense since they picked them up off waivers versus before is uh, it's pretty pretty ridiculous. They're a top ten defense just because Tyson Chandler arrived. Yeah, I think because I, I was hoping for maybe not the best case scenario, but a better case with Tyson Chandler. Maybe he's being misused in Phoenix. It's not a really good fit, and uh, the Lakers really need a defensive center uh, behind Javale. 
And that's exactly what they've gotten. Now, did I know that was going to happen? No, but it's obviously welcomed. And you no, know, his impact was seen from you know, day one. The It's kind of like a seamless fit going from JaVale to Tyson just because they're big. They run the floor and they block shots or at least alter shots. And so you're able to play the same kind of basketball. It's just less of a drop-off when you get JaVale off the floor and you had to put in Jonathan Williams, a rookie from Gonzaga, or you know Zubats early in the season when he wasn't producing. Mo Wagner was hurt, and so the Lakers really had no one to go to. They went to Kyle Kuzma at center for some minutes early on the season. So you know they had a lot of room to improve, and Tyson Chandler's been just what they needed um, it's really, really incredible to see him, you know, play this kind of defense at his age, uh, what he was drafted in 2001 and he's still, you know, at least a reliable rim protector. And so, yeah, it, it's really, uh, a case hit the mark on their signing. Uh, it was kind of a low risk, high reward signing and it's, and it's shown to be that. Uh, and I hope now, there's a scenario down the line where when the Lakers, or I should say if, the Lakers bring in that second star player, uh, he's able to come back on a on a minimum contract. Yeah, it should be interesting, especially because he was a warrior if they if Boogie is not on Golden State, and he's not just waiting in the wings. Like, that was where he wanted to go. And they basically just told him, when Boogie's back, we just don't have the minutes for you. So he's like, all right, I guess I'll go to L.A. And he's also got a house, I believe, in L.A., right? Like, he's a native L.A. Yeah, dude, and- so it worked out. And we all would have been mad, too, if if Tyson Chandler went to Golden State and he's playing just like he's playing right now. Like Right, because their oh. defense is struggling a little bit. I want to say they're like 18th or something in defensive rating. Yeah, and yeah, and so with with the Warriors, you know, they, everybody gets mad because they have so many good players, but that would just kind of be like another cherry on top. Uh, they have like five or six cherries on top right now. But yeah, uh, yeah it, it'd just be another case where it's like, oh, they're the Warriors. Yep, they just made another great signing. They've got a, a player that's going to help them win another championship. And so I'm yeah. glad that he's making this kind of impact for the Lakers. Yeah. Um, true or false, Anthony Davis is a Laker within the next year. I will say true. Yeah, I, okay. I, I think. I think so, too. I think uh, I just don't know if the front office is going to be patient with these young guys, especially with how they've played as a whole when LeBron's been out. Uh, it's just going to be you know, important for them to win as many games as they can, not only this year, but next year. So I wouldn't be surprised if it happens uh, you know, before the trade deadline or this summer. But I think... Um, they can't uh, wait on the Celtics to be able to trade for him because that rule where they can't make a move until a certain date because of Kyrie signing, like that weird trade thing. Have You, you know what I'm talking about? I think, I think I've seen something similar. So basically yeah. until like, it's something like July, the Celtics can't engage with new Orleans because Kyrie would have to be going out like the designated player extension or something like that uh, uh, forbids mm-hmm. them from trading for Anthony Davis. It's very weird. I'm not a CBA mastermind. We'll, we'll call in Larry Coon in a second, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel like what's going to happen is going to be a Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma for Anthony Davis at I, some point. I think at least, I think the, the trade package that we're probably going to see if, if it happens this year and I'm about, Maybe fifty-five or this 45. summer before July first. Yeah. Like that's the thing is like right after the season or whatever. I mean, like fifty-five, forty-five on this. I think it'd be some combination of Ingram, Kuzma, and and maybe even Josh Hart, uh, and you know at least one or two first-round picks. 
I think that gets I think that gets you Anthony Davis. That's a really good deal for New Orleans. Right. And it gives them, you know, a score, it gives them a shooter, it gives them actually two shooters. Josh Hart is, you know, not a ter- uh, sorry, not a terrible shooter. And then Ingram can be a great creator, can get to the basket. He's got great potential on defense. I think, you know, that doesn't leave New Orleans without hope if they lose out on Anthony Davis. I would keep Josh Hart. I like him. I love group, Josh Hart. I like- yeah, I think I would keep him, especially on a contender. I feel like he's like one of those dudes who's just someone you want to have when he's like 25 and just playing important minutes for this Lakers team. I could just see him when the Lakers, if they get AD and a couple other guys, that he is actually like out there with that closing five. I could just see it. He's just a really smart basketball player, and I think the shot's going to be there, and I think he works really hard. He's a smart cutter. He's a smart defender. Like I, I don't know. I just feel like he's like the perfect uh, – like that, a smart version of J.R. Smith, a little bit, huh. who can do other stuff for LeBron. I just, I like him as a two guard for them. Um, last thing, and then we'll go. Uh, how do you see this season ending for Los Angeles? I think we see the Lakers make it to mm, the Western Conference semifinals. Okay. They get AD, where do they go? Uh, I think they at least go to the conference finals. And then uh, they give the Warriors a series. They end up losing uh, after blowing a 3-1 lead. The the Warriors then blow a 3-1 lead. And then uh, Anthony Davis gets a call from Kevin Durant saying uh, KD wants to come to the Lakers. I think that's how it plays out. Oh, my God. I mean, before the season, I said KD and LeBron made sense to me. Like, them doing that commercial just kind of stood like... These dudes are cool together. And like, there's something about, there's a movie aspect to the number one player in the world joining up with the number two player in the world for a couple seasons. There's just something we haven't seen it before. Like that's just never happened. And just, I don't think there would be backlash at this point because I think people will always take KD to the Warriors much more than they would KD joining up with LeBron for a couple seasons. I just, I think KD's going to the to the Clippers. I don't buy the Knicks stuff still. Like I just he's too smart to join that franchise. I just I no. As, Scott Perry uh, yeah. is not getting Kevin Durant. It's not fucking happening. James Dolan and Scott Perry are not landing him. Yeah, just, as, as long as as long as Dolan's owning the Knicks, the right. Knicks are like, gonna get owned. <laughs> exactly. I just I like what the Clippers are doing with Balmer and everybody else. I could see them swaying him and just because they're overachieving with no star that you insert Kevin Durant there. I mean, that's it's a really fucking good basketball team. But um, so that's still where I think he goes. And then you have man, is that not the best situation for LA though? Like as a city, Kevin Durant and the Clippers and LeBron James and the Lakers. Yeah. Oh um, my gosh. And it would I immediately think... be Kevin Durant's team. Like he, the, the the Warriors are not his team. The Clippers can be his team, his area, like his thing. And he hasn't been in that situation. There was Russ and. OKC, who fans always just, you could say, loved him more. And then in Golden State, Steph Curry's team. Like this, if he went to, even in New York, I think it would still be Porzingis' team, right? Like they would still prefer Chris Stapps as like the guy they drafted and like this. Because he's more likable. Right. So I just, I think the Clippers is like the only shot uh, Durant has to have his own team, his own situation and kind of be the guy and like it feel like it's his team well i don't know i think first off it's bobon's team oh that's true if we're talking about bobon and uh tobias harris and that uh, bromance yes right no but actually i think you know tobias harris and katie would be really intriguing to see on the same floor um and then you got a guy like uh shy who 
you know, is really really can do everything from the point guard spot. Um, he fills up the box score. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like his potential, and I really liked what the Clippers were doing, especially early on the season. Uh, they looked really, really good because they, uh, the way uh, Sabrina Merchant, uh, she's a contributor for Civil Screen and Roll, put it, uh, she's also uh, works for Clips Nation. She put it as the Clippers don't have this one star. They have, you know, ten guys that they can play at any given right. moment, and so you don't have you have a lot of you know, just really good basketball players. And so I think that's what we've seen with the Clippers. And, you know, L.A. basketball is in a really good shape right now. And adding KD to the mix would be really fun if, you know, either team, if he joins either one of them. Yeah, I think he's going to L.A. I just don't know. I, I, I'm i going to bet on Clippers, but the Lakers would be fun. Um, Grant, this has been great. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It was fun to talk about the Lakers, fun to talk about Boban for a little bit. Always appreciate getting the chance to talk about Boban. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's always fun. So I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll have to do this again soon. All right. Later. Thanks, man. All right. We're back on the Chase Thomas Podcast, and I am now joined by friend of the pod. It's Brian Murphy. He's here again. How are you, man? Uh, I'm well. Thank you uh, for asking. Yeah, friend. Yeah, for sure. I am. Congratulations. You've done 250 shows, I think. So that's, that's correct. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Two years. Uh, uh, I will not stop. The <laughs> They've tried to hold me back, but um, I, I won't move on. I, I, I won't move on. Because, you know, when you, when you work somewhere and you work really hard for years, you get to where you want to be, just like you are now, Mr. McCovey Chronicles. <laughs> that's right. Uh, the yeah, uneasy lies the crown. I am definitely the person uh, you can easily say has ruined McCovey Chronicles. But for now, um, yeah, we're doing it. We're, we're running the site. We're posting a lot of stuff. The timing worked out well that Grant left because the Giants are really bad. So mm-hmm. um, It seems like he just, planned that. A little cerebral <laughs> on his part. <laughs> well, he uh, prided himself on not being you know, on the on the inside. Uh, but mm. I think he got a tip from the inside, not too like Whoa. before the season started, and he was like, "Now is the time. Now is the time." Oh, interesting. Yeah. Or he's joining Dave Cameron for the San Diego Padres as another <laughs> former baseball writer joining that front office. With AJ strongly, he just couldn't resist. Yeah, I don't know if it, if you or your listeners have listened to if he's been on the show. I'm sorry, I have not listened to all 250. Um, that would be what like knowing fuck? every. That would be like knowing every reliever's inning because mm-hmm. that's. You know, I, I don't know every reliever's uh, inning update or pitch, uh, but mm-hmm. you know he has a great voice, and I have uh, strongly advocated for him being uh, in the broadcast booth. So if, if he were to go to San Diego, I think as like you know the the quirky color guy uh, who just gets ragged on by the by the old player who's in there to do color. But uh, it would be fun. I don't know. That's my thought. Anyway, let's talk about hmm. the Giants, who have somehow staggered their way through uh, after their. Their five win September. I really thought that's it. This is the series finale of a baseball franchise. Two years it, ago, we literally talked about this. Two <laughs> years ago, about like just the sad future of the San Francisco Giants, and I was like, I don't think they're gonna give up yet. I think they're gonna drag this shit out for as long as possible because they know the doom and gloom that is on the horizon, and it's weird that hiring a new front office guy kind of signals that, but. 
it to me like they made a smart hire so that they could be bad and cheap for the next 10 years. Uh, I think a lot of teams are making that choice, man. But that's oh yeah, like love ball. baseball off season, uh, Brian. I don't know if you knew this or not, but uh, things are going well. <laughs> yeah, the the industry looks extremely healthy from only one perspective. <laughs> right, teams don't want to pay Manny Machado close to Giancarlo Stanton money. Right, <laughs> uh, teams like the Phillies who said their owner was quoted saying. I want to spend stupid money is refusing to spend stupid money on the two best players available <laughs> in their prime in positions of need for their team. Arguably not even in their prime about to enter their prime. Arguably. Yeah. Uh, but I I've said yeah. on this podcast for the last six months, I still believe they're getting both. I'm not moving on from the, I Philly? think the Phillies are getting Bryce Harper and Machado. I still to believe me, that. that would be the, that would be the signature of, stupid money right and that's what they should do if they lock up who cares about the years like you are winning a title if you get machado and harper for the next five in the nl like that's happening they're getting one with the rest of their town around them they have the pitching now they dude they're like you just do it you're in a big market you've been shit for 10 years like the ruben (laughs) amaro stuff feels like forever ago as bad as he was and how much he screwed over that team for the next five he still won a title. Like you're getting a title out of this. You're getting your moment to sign Machado and Bryce Harper. And it's not like an albatross thing to sign them both like eight year contracts. Well, right. Especially since you'd probably, they probably have opt outs after three years or something right. like that. So, you know, eight years and an opt out, you're the team is protected and it's a win-win for both sides. Mm-hmm. Also, I think the ancillary benefits of signing both of them are it attracts more talent and given what they do have still in, in a mild surplus, uh, you know, you add Harper, you know, you're probably still going to want to keep Oduble Herrera, but you could, you could also trade him. They want to move Cesar Hernandez. Having Manny Machado makes it easier. Like there are things, because I, I don't know if they're pitching necessarily is where they would want it to be, but adding those two guys, it certainly signals, yeah, I agree. I, I and by the way, pretty much half the league could afford to add both players. Uh, and and well, hold and on. Let be... me check my notes here. I <laughs> things are going really poorly in Major League Baseball. Nope. Oh, what does it say? Yeah. They are making more money than ever. <laughs> um, you know, uh, the Braves would need an outfielder. Bryce Harper. Oh, don't even there. like get me started on the Braves nonsense. Oh, that like just. They're not spending money. It's not well, happening. I mean, their they, their goal is to be as him. good and cheap yeah. as possible for the next ten right. years. Well, I think that's the goal. I think what we really I do want to say this. Let me see if I can say it cleanly. I think mm-hmm. the the wet dream of every analytic <laughs> front office is to win a World Series with a roster of league minimum guys. I really think that's the goal. Because if these tech you pros can just call them out by name. It, well, his I'm, name I'm is uh, Milwaukee Brewers general yeah, manager Stearns, uh, David Stearns. Stearns. Bloom, what is yeah, his name? Uh, Stearns and Bloom. I'm thinking David yeah. Stearns in Milwaukee and Heim Bloom in Tampa Bay. And yeah, uh, I'm really thinking like that is their. Did he win 90 point. games in Tampa Bay this year? Just trying, like they refused to pay Corey Dickerson, right. and they're like, "We can do this, <laughs> right? Fuck uh, Corey Dickerson, you know, man. The, we can do whatever you know, we want." Yeah, and they make those little moves like, oh, Charlie Morton, and just to say, 
just to show that they're spending money. We're but, trying. Did you see this week that they're getting in on the JT Romuto stuff? Like there's well, still been can. ongoing discussions. The thing is, they can. And uh, the you know, I would say that the Miami front office seems like one of the few remaining fleeceable uh, front offices out there. Um, the Giants were that uh, yeah. as as late as last year because the last the last few times that the Giants tangled with Tampa Bay, they they were totally fleeced, totally hosed, um, and so you know. It's sort of that Houston Astros thing. If Tampa Bay or Houston comes to you with the trade offer, uh, you should be very suspicious. So if the Rays are looking to trade for Real Muto, they're only going to do it because it's going to really benefit them way more than it's going to help the Marlins. So. Well, if it makes um, you feel any better, I saw a story this week. Uh, Farhan Zaidi uh, encouraged to find next Max Muncy and Chris Taylor. So things well, are looking up in uh, San Francisco. Well, that's of course the whole reason why. That's the, the basically what he's known for is finding that. And so yeah, we uh, when he when they got Mike Gerber when they claimed him off waivers from the Tigers, you know that was um, that was the next Max. That's the next Max Muncy. He's a left-handed uh, outfielder kind of who has a very poor major league showing. But uh, there, you know, but possibly some power in that bat. So there we go. Next, next uh, Max Muncy. They just seem to find the next Chris Taylor. They've um, they haven't really added too much on the infield. Bravik Valera from the Orioles. That's maybe the next guy. Another switch hitting infielder outfielder. But that is seems to be the goal. This used to be a lot easier, Chase, when you'd ask me what the Giants' plans are because for 20 years, you know, you knew the characters, the cast of characters running the show. You knew what you, you know, actually, when you were running a title for a couple yeah, of years. Right. But even I, I guess it's even better to think of it like a TV show. Like we knew what every episode was. We knew right. what the style, the rhythm of the show was, you know, um, Andrew McCutcheon so is the full house days. of right. The San Francisco right. Giants is what you're saying. That's right. You want to so bring now, back Danny Tanner. Right. So now instead of doing 22 episodes a year, they're doing eight to 10, but they're spending a lot of Let's see to ten, so we don't get them as often. We don't get the booze as mm. often. And we don't quite know what they change the style of the show. It's less episodic. It's more serialized. I'm making a very so season three of Arrested Development, basically. <laughs> That's right. I'm making a very strange analogy or metaphor here, but it's essentially the Giants are kind of an unknown at this point because of the front office. We can divine a general direction based on what Zaidi's done in the past, what he's already said what he's already done in the very fringy roster moves that he's made. But I, you know, it's not, he doesn't have the same material raw materials to work with that he had in LA that he had in Oakland. You know, well, you also don't know who's safe on this roster right now, right? Like that's the most intriguing thing about what's going I on would, in San Francisco is that I, like, that, yeah. it's I still just it's weird because that whole starting team. rotation outside of like Derek Rodriguez, you would assume it, could be gone this offseason, would, like Cueto, Bumgarner, Samarja, and Suarez. Well, Cueto's uh, Tommy John, so that's at least for this year. He's not going anywhere. That's true. Um, and I would say Chris that Stratton, the, my dude, who I've watched pitch way too many times in my life. Chris like Stratton, I realized that I will never Chris quit Stratton him because whenever I watch him, I'm like, he's a good number three. Somebody should trade for him. I think it. You only watch in April then. 
That's correct, actually. <laughs> Only watch Chris Stratton in April. You know you know my life, Brian. Yeah, you you so, know where I like to watch stuff because I watched a lot of early season Gio Gonzalez, too. So <laughs> he was my Cy Young pick because I stopped watching after uh, that hot start in Washington. So I don't know how the rest of it unfolded, so don't tell me. No spoilers, please. Okay, okay well, he sat out a month not because of injury, and he was traded for. <laughs> he did not appear for a book. Um, but I would say the only untouchables on the Giants roster this year, this really feels like the safest way to think about it is Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford. And I'll throw Mark Melanson in there. as a Not strong. Joe Panic. Not Joe Panic. I think all three of those guys I just named are not going anywhere for one main reason. They all have full no trade clauses. That's one. Two, Posey, face of the franchise, uh, still one of the best catchers in baseball. You can... You were Wait, so I have a question. Do you think he's yeah. a bigger face of the team than Bumgarner? I think if you... I think the player who plays every day, you can have the face of the franchise, but the player yeah. who plays more often, uh, I think Buster Posey is also more family-friendly. You know, part of Madison mm. Bumgarner's appeal is that he probably has killed someone who's wandered onto his property. <laughs> Um, He also rides dirt bikes and uh, gets injured on them. Hacks open snakes to rescue rabbits that Mm -hmm. have been eaten. That kind of stuff. Right. So I think in that sense, like Buster Posey's appeal is broader. Also in terms of the league itself, he's like kind of a face. You make sure, oh, Buster Posey's with San Francisco. I don't think that's, it's an impossibility that he gets moved, but he's also coming back from hip surgery, which a catcher and hip surgery just does not sound good if you're, even if you are interested in trading for him, potentially in the abstract, it doesn't make sense for uh, teams. But again, strong defender still. Uh, he's still one of the best pitch framers in the league. Still uh, an above average bat. And if any of that power returns following surgery, which is not a guarantee, it's probably unlikely. Still a useful offensive player. So the Giants would need him for multiple reasons. And again, no trade clause. He's also and they can like be bad without him, right? Like, that's the What's other that? thing is, like, he's one of those guys that he's going to sell tickets. People are going to want to see him. It's kind of like the Joe Maurer stuff where you yeah, can keep him yeah. around. You, Joey Votto, guys like that yeah. where they're just not going to move the needle enough where it's yeah. like you feel like you're wasting a roster spot or you, you can d- still rebuild while keeping guys like that around. Like Freddie Freeman. Like, there's just teams that go through those rebuilding yeah. years that don't tear it all the way down. They keep the fan favorite that – um, is going to keep people intrigued and they can kind of see through to the next era. Yeah, and Brandon Crawford, I think, in that full no-trade clause is, I think, the main reason he would be unwilling to waive it because... How did he get a full no-trade clause? Brandon these Crawford? The these are the old giants. Brandon oh Crawford, the hometown hero. He was born and raised in the Bay Area. He grew up a Giants fan. He's tied to the team, you know, just linked to it completely. He's, he came, they drafted him, he came up through their system and developed into being, for a brief moment in time, the best shortstop in baseball. And, you know, it's like, so there's a lot tied up there. You could say he's a face of the franchise another way, but, like, it's sort of, you can make certain moves, maybe one, like, Bumper, why I don't think he's safe, is, like, that's a big move you can make that's going to hurt. But if you make too many of those types of moves, especially all at once, it's going to really hurt. Crawford is also coming off of a bad, basically he had one great, like almost career defining month uh, in June. And then everything around that offensively, he was not great. And then in September, he was basically out because of a knee problem. So 
he's already on the wrong side of 30. He's a middle infielder. He's got a knee problem. His offense has never been that elite, and now it's probably set to keep taking steps back. He's not making a terrible contract, but it's still $15 million thereabouts per year. And so there's just, like, so many combinations. There's a combination of factors, like, is are the Giants better if they move him or if they keep him? And I think this is one of those cases where it's just, like, there's just too many things, like, they have to keep him in order for it. They're just going to keep him for it to make sense. Mark Moyanson is going to, like, make 18 or $20 million, even though his cap hits, like, 15 but because of the way they structured the deal. But it's Mark Moyanson. He's going to make $18 million, I think, for the next two seasons and another no-full trade clause. If you want to get into that, we can, but it's all really boring. The Giants panicked after they lost to the Cubs, and they way overpaid for the guy they wanted to trade for at the deadline, but they chickened out on at the last minute. So that was <laughs> so the Mark Lanson thing kind of screws them, and they'll need someone in the bullpen who can maybe pitch late in the game because chances are they're going to move Will Smith and they're going to move Tony Watson. That's going to what really is Sergio Remo doing these days? Well, I mean, do you want to? I mean, he made like five or six million last year, or seven thereabouts. And you know, despite him being sort of the the guy who drove the opener thing, I don't know. Maybe there were some bridges when he left the Giants, uh, but also just effectively, you're talking like six to eight million dollars on the guy. You know, yeah. that you're, they have Ray Black, they have Ray Esmeranta, they have uh, this guy Travis Bergen, who they claimed in the Rule of Five draft, who has, who's an interesting lefty. Um, so they have uh, interesting options, and, and they're definitely, definitely not – they're not interested in competing in right. 2019. They're going to – and I think that's not But the weird thing is like, right. they may not have a choice. Like that's the other weird thing about this Giants right. team is the NL West is murky because the Diamondbacks have said, okay, we're out. Um, what, who will yeah. ever forget that half-season <laughs> run with uh, J.D. Martinez and right. uh, not paying him turned out to – not be great for the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, offense. Who could have seen that one coming? Um, and who could have seen the Arizona Diamondbacks going cheap in their contention window? It, a huge stunner out of Phoenix. Um, well, the weird thing about contention windows, at least being in the front row, because I really did grow up thinking that the Giants would never win a World Series in my lifetime. So winning three mm. in the short order was an interesting thing. And obviously you want every out of success you wanted to keep going but the giants had these had this weird boom and bust cycle bust cycle so 2010 they win 2011 buster posey's ankle goes out they kind of just come up short they had like they were even better like an elite historic pitching team but they couldn't score any runs in 2011 so that feels like the biggest missed opportunity they win in 2012 2013 they're bad 2014 they're good 2015 they're kind of bad ish and 2016 they're good so it's like they, they kind of rode this weird roller, co- roller coaster and it felt like at the time that they were like, okay, you can't just keep bringing back all these guys. Yes. And I understand why you're doing it, but it might make sense to trade some of your 28s and 29 year olds uh, who are standouts, maybe one every so often so that you can get it like two high ceiling guys back instead of just constantly relying on your draft and maybe in the later rounds because you're picking later because you're successful coming back and, and doing something good. I mean, and they do that. Yeah. But, and I they pull shit out of their ass with like Derek Rodriguez. Like he was legitimately great for San yeah, Francisco. But I really think this is me being a super. Oh no. Don't talk here. me out of Pudge's son. 
He is it's, so uh, interesting, under, and he wasn't I even mean, a pitcher like a couple years ago. <laughs> well, you named Chris Stratton already. <laughs> oh, hold on. Oh, love me some Chris Stratton. Don't. I'm not looking at his numbers for the rest of the year. So no, Chris Stratton actually good in my opinion. Chris Stratton's April, yeah. And that's a great name, a great ace name. Stratton, Chris Stratton just feels like a um, Oakland A's ace yeah. for his mid-20s and then gets traded or signed to mega money by the Cincinnati Reds and goes 9-17 and 17 <laughs> for the next 15 years. He feels like I a good, like bad Reds pitcher. pulling Dan Straley and you're just putting Chris Stratton's name in that career. Mm, those <laughs> That works too. Uh, so, I mean, I think what I, what I witnessed is maybe it feels like what some teams are doing Cleveland especially, but maybe Arizona too, of rather than wait for the end to come and devour you, try to see if you can stave it off a little longer, like just give yourself a haircut, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you can trim here, trim here, maybe you can, you will take a step back, but it won't be like, you're you're not going to turn into a 60 win team. You might still like, if the Diamondbacks made all these moves and they still just win 82 games, isn't that how many they won this past year? So then what have you lost? And you actually gained potentially some talent, some flexibility, and uh, and so that seemed, and Cleveland sort of the same way. They could have said, "Well, we're going to trade Kluber, we're going to trade Bauer, we're going to trade everybody." And they didn't do that. They did trade some big guys, but you know, getting Carlos Santana back—that's not terrible. You know, and opening up, they kept Carlos Carrasco. But they traded Jan Gomes. So I think just nips and tucks here are not bad ideas, and I wish the Giants had done that. Instead of mm. overreacting after 2016, if they had taken a step back and really been like, okay, what can we do so that 2018 we don't have the worst month in the history of the franchise? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and instead they said, we got to keep this going. Let's do it. But then it ended up with uh, Farhan Zaidi. There is that. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, certainly... You Brian Sabian is dead, just like uh, you wanted. You said this two years ago. I want Brian Sabian dead, and uh, <laughs> you got your wish. So, well, he's not dead. In fact, he's the consigliere essentially. He's, he's mm. still there. But the the best part of that is you get you get the contrast still because at a press conference you have Farhan Zaidi come in, and what he's doing is basically smiling and being personable and telling jokes and. And having energy in front of the uh, in front of the press at the at the table um, for, behind the mic, and uh, you know it's a it's a big change from Brian Sabian like resignedly or begrudgingly getting back there and being a grumple puss for mm-hmm. for forty five minutes <laughs> and, and talking like he's in the middle of getting uh, his teeth pulled out. And so there's there's that sense of like oh that's different, so that feels better. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just going to be frustrating for a lot of fans um, who want this big, sexy, sabermetric, quick moves. Like like when he took over as a GM, like he did that Matt Kemp move, and then he signed a bunch of, like, <laughs> I think he signed um, Brandon McCarthy and Brad Anderson. and like, mm-hmm. kind of Alex Wood got brought into the fold. Alex Wood, there we go, right. So, yeah. and, you know, with the Giants, it's kind of like what you said, they don't really have a choice. They can't, they don't have that kind of flexibility. All the players mm-hmm. who they could trade for that kind of stuff have basically no value at this point. Right. So you're really kind of hoping that that everything... is uh, can be really good, and Brandon <laughs> Belt continues doing what he's doing. Well, you got it. You're right because Brandon Belt was having another career year and then yeah. injuries, 
I mean, this is two months. So, you know, if you can get – Yeah, the team's not awful if they stay healthy. Like, that was the thing last year. It's like if – that was yeah. their biggest issue. It's like, oh, you're relying on a bunch of veterans to stay healthy for a 162-game season. It's just not realistic. And – they suffered from it, but when they were healthy, um, but who could forget that month of April where Joe Panic was the only one scoring runs for the San Francisco Giants? <laughs> That's pretty great. And but uh, you just outlined the main point about Zaidi coming in is you can't do that, especially when right. you've got depth is going to be a thing. Yeah, depth is is the thing that the Giants paid lip service to, but they sort of had no idea what it actually meant. Right. Um, and and I think that was depth that is actually was, Latin for Evan Longoria. <laughs> Not people right. know that. Um, but, you know, uh, Pablo Sandoval wound up being a nice depth piece for them just by accident uh, in mm. a way. And Alan Hansen, they kind of stumbled into. But, you know, you look at that outfield and it's just like there's nothing there. You look at the minors, the upper minors especially, it's like there's nothing there because for decades the team sort of, when they weren't punting on the drafts altogether during the Bonds years, which they absolutely were, which is astonishing, they were just like, the draft is not, it's like a drain on our resources. We're not going to care about it. And then when they shifted that mindset after the Bonds years, uh, it still was, well, we don't want to draft these high ceiling raw talent guys because they have a higher propensity for not panning out. We want the high floor, low ceiling, kind of college guys, kind of already kind of experienced guys, so we can just fast track them to the major leagues. So what you tend to get in those situations are the Joe Panics of the world uh, and the Brandon Crawfords of the world, where they're going to be solid and they're going to be great, but you really do need to hit and get your Buster Poseys or just to really dial it back. You need to have your, uh, oh, I was going to say, you know, Escobar. That is completely not the person I'm thinking of. But you, know, you need to have your Lindors and you need to have your Oh, pull a name, pull a name. You need to have your highest ceiling guys. Who, Are you talking about Jose Ramirez? I don't remember who I was trying to say. Lindor and Jose Ramirez are definitely in there, but I can't remember who I was trying to think of right there. I think I was trying to think of Acuna now that I think about it. Okay. We well, I'll cut all of that, and I'll make you sound a lot clearer on that thought. Yeah, but just internationally and draft-wise, Giants just, they don't, they didn't really know what they were doing, and they didn't even mm-hmm. try to start getting their act together until about We'll need the Braves ago. because John Coppolella got banned for life. So Right, right. Well, they didn't do that, yes. And they didn't mm-hmm. commit – they didn't keep a list of crimes like the Dodgers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but maybe they will. <laughs> maybe they'll be better for it. Who knows? Don't rule anything out here. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All options are on the table on a reboot. So. <laughs> or reload. What if you heard that from Farhan Zaidi? The first thing out of his mouth is, uh, we're not reloading. I mean rebuilding. We're reloading. Would every well, Giants fan just, like, fall over? Like, what is happening? Are we doing this it, again? Are we running yeah. this back? I think the Giants just, when you win, when you win, when you're in San Francisco, when you have that park, when you have the pedigree, the franchise pedigree, <clears throat> which doesn't sound like I'm being ridiculous here. It's the San Francisco Giants, formerly the New York Giants. They are one of baseball's crown jewel franchises. It just doesn't seem that there should be a stomach for tanking and rebuilding. And, and so in that sense, in that level, that's kind of a non, that was a non-starter. And I think Zaidi is serious about, well, we want to have, we want to be competitive for, as long, that's one of the, that's the big phrase he said. We want to be as competitive for as long as possible. 
Um, so even if we peter out every August, we want to at least make a team that can get to August and still be competitive. You know, the Giants this past season were 68 and 68 on September 1st when they woke up on September 1st, which is crazy to think about because there's no way we look at the season as being anything remotely successful. We look, I think of it as a, as a disaster, but you know, the reality was that they were 68 and 68 and a lot of their moves worked out for the most part. Um, you know, 68, 68, nothing that really sneeze at. It's not that great, but they only won 64 the year before. So whatever they did kind of worked in the short term, but, uh, so I think in that mindset, but doing it in a cheaper way, we're not having to add an Evan Longoria or an Andrew McCutcheon every off season to kind of keep the same shit going is going to be the difference with Saidi. And I think there are going to do things like if in May or June, it looks like they're going to lose 90 games again, he's going to be more open to moving people. And in 2017, when it was clear after the dirt bike accident and like they were going through May and they were just like, oh, they're like 15 games under 500, the season's over. I was like, oh, they should trade Brandon Belt right now. Before his extension kicks in, you look around the landscape, you know, Houston, New York, there are teams that could use a first baseman who's like an elite level hitter, which Belt is, and he certainly was at the time. And they didn't, and I'm not saying that I had a line to them and it was a choice, but like that kind of thinking I'm expecting when it comes close to the deadline and they're kind of in it, but they're kind of out of it. And Zaidi can look at the roster and go, or the franchise and go, we're better if we move Tony Watson for two players or three players, two who are solid and one who's a raffle ticket. Um, I think we're better for that in the long term. Um, and I think that's going to be the biggest, that's what I'm hoping for, because that'll be the biggest philosophical change in the franchise uh, in, in, in the generation. All right. Brian Murphy, you're back <laughs> in the podcast. It's been two years, but uh, it's good to have you back, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And congrats for all your success. Oh, thank you. Um, the number one independent sports podcast on <laughs> iTunes. That's right. Uh, like and wait, subscribe and rate. And review. That's exactly <laughs> right. And if you right. want to support McCovey Chronicles, one of the easiest ways to do that is to subscribe to this podcast <laughs> and uh, rate and review and uh, give us five stars. Because ultimately, if my podcast is thriving, McCovey Chronicles is thriving. We've always That's said right. that. That's, That's right. how yep. analytics McCovey works. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you don't like my writing on McCovey Chronicles, we've got many other writers on the site these days, so check it out. No, you you like Brian's writing. That's how this works. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, you read Brian and you like Brian. That's the rule. Sorry. No, Very well. Brian rules. There you go. Okay. All right, man. Good luck with the site. We'll touch basic, I'm sure, again soon. But, man, it feels great to have Grant no longer running that uh, that website. feels like a new era, an era we'll I can believe when, in. We'll uh, talk Chris Stratton wins the site. Oh, my God. What a day. Or when the Braves trade for him as their new ace. Um, there you go. The revitalization of Chris Stratton. Or he has that career renaissance in Baltimore where you're like, how is he like 18-8 and eight with a 4.5 ERA? I'm ready for it. Anyway, Brian, thank you so much, and uh, I will talk to you soon, man. All right. Thanks. Bye. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts, or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, 
Google Play or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out chasethomaspodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back in another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.